You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurignited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur United Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your business and grow your income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be talking about podcasting. So effectively, this is a podcast about podcasting today and uh, how you can leverage this incredible channel and tool to grow your business. And our guest today is an inspiring young entrepreneur um, that by the age of 26 has been rapidly building his online empire, uh, including over the past three years. He's published three books on Amazon. Uh, He just launched his second podcast, so he now has two podcasts. He runs an online magazine called Lifestyle Business. And uh, so, yeah, by the age of 26, he's accomplished uh, more in online business than than, than I think a lot of people do in their entire life. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Tyler Basu to the show. Tyler, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much, Derek. It's a pleasure. That was a fantastic intro. And, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months now. You've had some fantastic guests. So it, it really is a privilege to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's awesome. And, and uh, you know, I've been having a ton of, ton of fun with it. And, uh, and you know, uh, podcasting for me, I, you know, as you know, I haven't been doing it for a particularly long time. I started in August and uh, of 2015. So I guess, well, time's flying, but um but, you know, it, it, I found it to be such an incredible uh, vehicle for connecting in business, for growing business, for generating leads for business. And uh, I truly believe not enough people are leveraging this, this tool that's easily available um, and, you know, as far as I can tell, has been a major driver in what you're doing. So I'm really looking forward to diving into you know, how you've been so successful with podcasting. But before we get started, can you just take a minute and share your journey as, a, as an online entrepreneur or a lifestyle entrepreneur, if you will? And, you know, how did you get started? And, and you know, what was your path to, to where you are today? Yeah, so I actually, uh, I was in real estate for a couple of years before uh, jumping into the whole online business space, I guess. So I I spent a few years as a realtor uh, working for developers selling townhomes and condos. And uh, while I was in real estate, I just had this feeling that, you know, even though it's a great industry and I was was doing well there and and I was good at it, um, it just wasn't exactly the type of lifestyle that I wanted long term. I did want to be able to work from home and, and you know, be home on weekends for when I eventually had a family and things like that. So just because of, you know, some of those values, I, I gravitated towards online business, but I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, so while I was working in real estate full time, I started up my first podcast and I was hosting that on the side and I would do a couple of interviews per month uh, with various entrepreneurs and not always online entrepreneurs but you know some offline business owners, some, some online business owners, internet marketers and so on and I just kept that going. Uh, for about two and a half years I interviewed over 100 entrepreneurs and in that journey uh, I got a crash course I guess in online business because I, I really got to peek behind the scenes at how a lot of these people had built you know their their businesses, and in many cases they were working from home. Uh, they were working while traveling. They were they had like virtual assistants and and independent contractors working for them. So they had like this freedom and flexibility that was just so attractive to me. Um, and so in the in the process of interviewing all those people, I started to try some of the things that I was learning. Uh, I started off with uh, a little bit of affiliate marketing from the blog just by like creating a resource page that linked to some of the stuff that was mentioned on the show. Um, I published a couple of ebooks on Amazon. Uh, and then uh, in 2015, I published a, a book called Lifestyle Business Blueprint. And I talked about five of the ways that a bunch of these you know, lifestyle entrepreneurs that I interviewed had built their businesses. And, and I included case studies, like a quick you know, summary of, of what their journey was. Uh, and I got some really good feedback on those case studies. Like people were liked, you know, the balance between 
the concepts and the theory and actual you know proof that yeah, of mm. how people did it. So the book did quite well. Uh, and that was uh, earlier in 2015, and so a couple of months after that, I interviewed a guy who um, from Australia who was doing really well with a digital magazine, and we got to talking after the interview. And I told him I, you know, I had all these people as guests on the podcast. I had all these interviews that I had done, and I even had them transcribed, but I didn't do do much with it. And uh, so I started playing around with the idea of creating a digital magazine. And then in the summer of 2015. Uh, I took that leap. I quit real estate. Um, I added an extra person to my team. So at that point, I had a virtual assistant and a graphic designer. And we started working on creating Lifestyle Business Magazine. And we ended up getting our first issue uh, in the App Store in September. Uh, and since then, we've been publishing. Um, we've, we've published multiple issues. And then we launched the podcast uh, in November, so a couple of months after, and we've been using that podcast to uh, publish the the interviews that I've done with people who are featured in the magazine, and also help promote the magazine as well. and And that second podcast has done quite well. You know, the the first one it was all trial and error for me, so I made a ton of mistakes. Um, I learned from my mistakes, and I you know I invested some time and, and some money into learning how to you know attack the the podcasting uh, thing and and the launch. Uh, properly, and and we ended up doing better uh, as a result of that. So I have a question for you. So you started out, <clears throat> and you know when you start an online business, there's so many directions you can go. Now most people are naturally drawn towards, hey, I'm going to build a website, I'm going to drive traffic, I'm going to do that. You started with a podcast, is that correct? Yeah, and and actually, even before it became a podcast, um, mm -hmm. I was just interviewing people and putting the interviews on a blog. Um, for mm. that was from two thousand. Uh, 12 to almost the end of 2013. And after I had put about 30 interviews on the blog, people started saying to me, you know, you should really have a podcast. Like nobody goes to a blog to listen to audio interviews. They usually, they, they go to iTunes, they go to Stitcher to find a podcast to subscribe to. I'm like, okay. So I, I looked into this podcasting thing. I, I found a tutorial online that showed me how to, you know, create a feed and upload it to iTunes. And so I did that at the end of 2013. And so from that point forward, you know, from interviews, Interview number thirty up to uh, to number one hundred five, uh, which was the last interview I did for Chatting with Champions. Those were all, you know, being published on on the podcast. So when you went from publishing on the uh, on the blog, right, putting the interviews there, um, and moved it over to the podcast, how did that affect your growth? So it had two two effects. Um, one one effect was was credibility. Um, so I was immediately able to reach out to that next level or that higher level of guests for the show. Um, I really struggled to get in, uh, those high level guests in the beginning. I was I was mostly interviewing my personal network and referrals and so on, and not necessarily people who had you know big influence online, but they had something good to say, just not you know not not huge audiences. Mm -hmm. um, so when, once I had the podcast and then I was sending out cold emails and I was introducing myself as a podcast host, all of a sudden people could go over to iTunes, they could see all the interviews, they could see some ratings and reviews from listeners, they could see the lineup of past guests, um, and it just, be, I guess because I was leveraging that platform, uh, I got a lot more yeses, you know, whenever I reached out to somebody to interview. I also did start to notice uh, an increase in my download numbers just organically, I guess because it's pretty hard. You know, I'm not like, a, you, you know, an expert on SEO or anything, but I definitely wasn't getting my website ranked very high on Google. Um, but the podcast was able to rank on iTunes for mm -hmm. some of those words, like, like interviews with entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, those kinds of keywords. So just people searching for you know, podcasts about entrepreneurship and, and business and success, they were able to find the show. And so I ended up with just some, a, a bit of organic growth from that, from that, uh, because of that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and I think a lot of people, um, when they look at podcasting, don't realize that it, it can be such a big driver of new leads, new connections, because effectively the iTunes, the, the, the app store or, or SoundCloud or Stitcher are effectively search engines, really. So, you know, people go in there and are typing in keywords to find podcasts that they're interested in. So that can really drive drive organic growth um, and new clients, which is a which is a, a huge benefit. And and I mean, the app store now is I, I, I have no idea actually even what the numbers are on it from people using it and actual podcast downloads. But 
it's looking at some of the big podcasts out there and their per episode download numbers are absolutely staggering. Yeah, of course. And I think it was back in 2013, iTunes came out with a report. They said uh, that they had uh, over 1 billion podcast subscriptions. And that's just on iTunes. Um, and that's not 1 billion people subscribed to a podcast because some people were subscribed to you know a, a small handful of shows. But I just think that from that number, we can assume that there's a few hundred million people around the world listening to podcasts just on iTunes. Yeah, and, and it's definitely – I mean the U.S. is definitely the most – well, the biggest and biggest market, um, but my experience is now seeing countries globally really starting to pick that up and a lot of growth in those. Now, let's shift gears a little bit. Now, you you've recently launched uh, the new podcast with uh, in conjunction with your uh, lifestyle business magazine, and this has. And I've been tracking it. It's been doing really well. You've you've been in number one and new and noteworthy in various countries. You've done really well in the U.S., which is such a competitive market. You know, let's dig into that. You know, what what did you do in this launch? And let's let's contrast it against your first podcast, right? What did you learn along the way? What to do? What not to do? Yeah, so there were there was definitely a lot of trial and error with the first podcast, um, and the biggest mistake I made was thinking that you know uploading the the show to iTunes was a launch strategy. Um, that's just a technical step involved yeah. in a in a launch strategy. So just getting there, uh, and then you know putting a quick post on Facebook saying, "Hey, I'm a, I got a show on iTunes now." It wasn't exactly a launch strategy. So it took me a long time to actually figure out you know how to get a show to rank higher on iTunes, and probably more importantly, how to get a show to uh, to get exposure from day one. Like I spent a year or two really hustling to get people to listen to the show, get those ratings and reviews for the show, um, and to get the kind of exposure that this new podcast is getting right away um, from the first couple of weeks. Um, so having a specific, you know, predetermined launch strategy for the show uh, so that you, you know, you have a way to get yourself in new and noteworthy for whatever your categories are. And and just to explain, like for the, for the listeners who maybe aren't quite sure what new and noteworthy is. So when, when you're in iTunes and you're looking at the iTunes store and they've got the podcast section, the first thing you're going to see right at the top is this category that says uh, new and noteworthy. And they've got that section for every one of their categories <clears throat> for every one of their categories on iTunes. So business, uh, health, education, uh, and so on. And so when, whenever you launch a new podcast, uh, you have this eight-week period where they'll feature you there if it looks like your show is is getting some popularity, um, so that you know they have they've got some algorithms to figure that out, uh, and they'll feature your show there um, if it seems that you know a lot of people are checking out your show, and and you you're eligible to be there for those first eight weeks, and you know the higher that you can rank in the new and noteworthy section for your categories, the more exposure you're going to get to people who are checking out iTunes. So if you've got an audience already, that's fantastic. Like if you've got a blog or you've got an email list and you're going to, you can promote your show to your existing audience, that's, that's fantastic. But if you don't have um, an audience or let's say you've got a small audience to begin with, you know, that exposure on new and noteworthy on iTunes is going to help you attract an audience uh, that wouldn't have known about you otherwise. And so you end up building some momentum for your show and attracting a lot of listeners for your show from the beginning, uh, which really helps in the long run. So let, let's dig into your launch strategy and to, to some specifics. Like when you push a podcast out there, if you look at what you did um, this round and to get to get that momentum right out of the gate, you know, let's let's break it down. If you could say, what are the top three activities, actions that you did that gave it that momentum. Perfect. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd actually like to break it up into into two parts. Um, I'll talk about some marketing uh, tactics, I guess, in a second. But before you even start you know, marketing your show, um, there are a couple of, I guess, key decisions that you want to make um, that kind of just set the foundation for a show. So you really want to have some clarity on you know what your topic is going to be, what the focus of the show is going to be, who your target audience is, um, and what what kind uh, what kind of value or what kind of benefits you're going to provide to that audience. So you you want to get that stuff clear so that you can build 
uh, and create the, the the branding for the show around that clarity. So things like the the logo for your show, the title of the show, the description for the show. If you if you didn't have that clarity or that foundation to begin with, um, then it's going to be really hard to brand your show in a way that attracts that that ideal listener, that maybe that ideal client that you want to attract for your business. So that should be your foundation. Get those things right first. Uh, and then we can move on in, into you know planning how we're going to market the show. Um, but there's a, the magic formula for getting featured on iTunes new, new and Noteworthy. Um, I don't know what exactly, of course. Um, I, I'm guessing the only people who do are the ones who work over at iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can assume it's a combination of your subscription numbers, your download numbers, your ratings, and your reviews. Um, and so it's kind of like an algorithm. iTunes is going to pick up on activity in each of those four areas. So the more that you have going on for all four of those things, um, the more likely you will be featured on new and noteworthy. And in the long run, you know, get get some some good exposure for your show as well, not just in those first eight weeks. Um, so you want to be intentional, intentional about in those first eight weeks, getting as many people as possible to go subscribe to your show, listen to a few episodes, and leave you a rating and a review with some feedback. Um, that's like that's the magic formula. So knowing that, and again, I didn't know that when I launched my first show. In fact, I didn't even know that that New and Noteworthy existed. I found out afterwards, and I'm like, "Damn, I missed I missed my chance." <laughs> like, how many people would know about my show if I had done that? Um, so this time, this time around, round two, I you know I knew about that going into it that that was the objective was to get featured on New and Noteworthy. So I spent. Um, you know, weeks before the launch, planning how to make that happen, and even after we launched, I spent eight weeks really hustling to to keep bringing those ratings and reviews uh, coming in. Um, so, a couple of things that I did before the actual launch uh, was number one, I started building my email list a few months before we we launched the podcast, um, and I and I created the magazine first. So, the magazine hit the app store in September podcast went online in November and I had set up the website and the newsletter a couple of months before we launched the magazine. So I think it was in July of of 2015. Um, And I didn't have a huge list by the time we launched the podcast. It was like somewhere between four and 500 people because it's a brand new audience. So, but my goal was just to, you know, leverage my own list just to get that initial boost. Um, But then, uh, to get to go from just being on new and noteworthy to climbing to number one on new and noteworthy, like I kind of maxed out, you know, asking my own audience to rate and review the show um, right around the time that we got number one in Canada. Um, we made it into like the top ten in the U.S., but we didn't quite claim any of those number one spots just from asking our own audience, um, and probably because our audience, you know, wasn't big enough. If you've got, you know, a much bigger audience, you can probably make that happen. So I had to resort to some other things as well uh, to to claim the number one spot in the U.S. Uh, for our categories. But so building that, building a list, and building up a bit of hype um, before you launch. So we created some profiles on social media. We were sharing like picture quotes and and helpful articles all related to online business and lifestyle entrepreneurship um, to attract some of that target audience to the social media. Uh, from there, we directed people to our website. Uh, if we ever had a blog post, we, you know, we would share that on social media and that would help get people to our website. And then our website would help get people onto our email list. Uh, and then in September, we got our first magazine in the App Store. Um, and in our magazine on the last page, you know, we've got uh, a link to our, our free resource that we give away in exchange for joining our newsletter. So we got a few more people on our newsletter uh, from the magazine. And then by November, uh, we were ready to, uh, to, to launch the podcast. Um, and so, but the one thing that really helped me out, because even, you know, if you've got your own audience and they're already, and, and you're going to promote your show to your audience, it might take them a while to leave you a rating and review. Um, you know, some people who, you know, they just subscribe to a podcast, you know, they might not get around to rating and reviewing that show for a few weeks or a few months, if at all, right? Because most people, uh, for most people, listening to a podcast might be something new to them. And leaving a rating and review is definitely something that most people haven't done before. Um, so expecting your, your audience to do that for you from day one uh, is a little bit um, unrealistic. Um, you got you got to have 
patience for your audience to leave you those ratings and reviews, right? Um, so what I did was I put together a launch team um, and I reached out to about 25 people on Facebook, created a Facebook group and I said, hey, you know, in a couple of days I'm going to have a podcast that, on iTunes um, and here's how I could use your support. And I explained why those ratings and, the, and those reviews and those downloads help a podcast rank on new and noteworthy and I, I created a step-by-step um, outline of how to do it and I even did a video tutorial and put that on YouTube and gave them a link to that as well. So I had a launch team that was ready and willing to uh, to help support the show the day that it went live because again that way I could count on from day one getting you know having people checking out the show and leaving those ratings and reviews. Um, ratings and reviews from the audience came afterwards, but having that launch team ready to support me from day one really really helped um, to to build some momentum. I also um, created a Facebook event on launch day. Uh, and invited all my Facebook contacts. I emailed my list. We promoted it on social media. So, you know, all the standard stuff that you do when you've got some content or you've got a big announcement and you want to share with your audience. But having that launch team support the show, uh, I think, was like, you know, the probably the, the biggest, had the biggest impact, at least in the beginning. Interesting. And so when you say launch team, who are these people you reached out to? Um, so these are like, you know, friends and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, people that I had met uh, in person or that I had supported in, in uh, you know, in various ways, like other bloggers, even other podcast hosts. Um, and, you know, of course, I was, you know, willing to reciprocate. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm asking somebody for a favor, right? So, of course, after I ask for the favor, I let them know, you know, if there's ever any of your projects that you've got that you need some support, please let me know and I'd be happy to reciprocate. But, yeah, basically, you know, my warm network, people that I knew in person and that I had met online that I was comfortable reaching out to and asking for a favor. And you don't need a huge amount of people because, again, you're just trying to get that initial boost, right? So I had 25 people on my launch team, but getting 25 ratings and reviews for your show in the first couple of days uh, tells iTunes that you know something's happening there your show's picking up in popularity so it helped okay so so once you got it launched okay so you know you did the email um, to create hype or the buzz leading up to it you're using social you promoted it in the magazine as well uh, you created a launch team it goes live so you get that initial punch and and I think that's a key thing for people to to realize is that you know, don't, and I've seen people do this. They launch their podcast, they just upload their first episode to get it established. And then, you know, they're not ready to really go forward with it. But that's when, you know, so for everybody listening, you don't want to do that because that's when iTunes is looking at you to be a new and noteworthy. So when you go live, the day you upload that first episode, you need to make sure that it's, it's you're ready to promote because you have an eight-week window. Now, one of the interesting things that I found when I launched my podcast back in August is we made it up into new and noteworthy and we're in a whole bunch of different countries. Um and, uh, you know, because I have a big audience overseas in Asia and Australia and stuff like that, we did really well in a lot of those countries as well. And what I was finding that when you were staying strong in the new and noteworthy, they would leave you in there longer. Yes. And and so I was I was shocked that in in some of the smaller markets and and countries, so outside of the US, we were sitting in the new and noteworthy for I think up to sixteen weeks, which was a, a real surprise to me. So yeah, you know, something to share with audiences. It, once you get up there, you need to really think in terms of you know you can stay there longer. But again, I think this is uh, if you don't mind, I want to highlight a point here too because a lot of people don't realize this is iTunes is different in every country, so. They treat every country differently. So when you're in iTunes, if you scroll to the bottom of iTunes and click change country, you can see all the different countries iTunes is available in, which is pretty much all of them. And you can actually go to different countries and see where you're ranking in those specific countries. And it's different from country to country. Um, So for yourself, were you focused primarily on the US and Canada or did you, you know, were you focused globally? 
Yeah, so yeah, you bring up a really good point. So there, there is like a, I guess, a separate new and noteworthy section for every country that iTunes is available in. Um, I was focusing on the U.S. Uh, because that is uh, primarily where my where my target audience is based, and where a lot of the guests that I feature on the show are from. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd be more recognizable in that market. Uh, Canada as well, just because I'm from Canada, but Canada is a very small market compared to the United States. So yeah. I'm glad that we did well in Canada. We got to number one in Canada within the first uh, two or three weeks of being on New and Noteworthy, and that was and that was great. But it wasn't a ton of exposure just because it's not a huge market. We got we got more exposure when we started to rank um, on the U.S. New and Noteworthy. Um, and you know what? I actually have seen cases of people who launched their podcasts, and after that eight week period was up, they were still showing. Going up in new and noteworthy. I haven't seen that happen on the U.S. one though, so maybe it is different for Canada or places like Australia or Malaysia and you know, things, other yeah. countries like that. But as far as I know, for the United States, they are pretty firm on that eight-week window. And, and I suspect, I suspect you're right. I suspect it's eight weeks in the U.S. because they've got such a higher volume of po- new podcasts coming in, right? And uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm a Although I, I do business in the U.S. and stuff, you know, there's so many, there's so much growth happening in these other countries um, that, you know, I would encourage anybody to make sure you're checking these other countries as well. Uh, because, you know, there's, there, there is a, a huge, huge um, opportunity that exists there. Now, the, um, uh, I have a question for you, and that relates around the magazine. So, I mean, your magazine is published on iTunes as well, correct? Yes. Okay. In the uh, in the App Store. In the App Store. So you've got a magazine and you've got a podcast. Now, do you? F- and I don't know if there's any empirical evidence or you, if if you've been tracking it long enough. But are you able to track? You know the 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 responses that you're driving from your magazine to your podcast or your podcast back to your magazine. Yeah, so what you can actually do is for a podcast episode, um, you can actually, and I do this through my media host, which is Lipson, but you can, when you upload an episode um, to uh, to whatever media host you're using, you can, you can tag that episode with like a title and a description. So in the description for a podcast episode, I've got that quick one paragraph summary that summarizes the episode, but below that, I have all these calls to action. So one of them is, is to, uh, to subscribe to the podcast if they haven't already and that will link to the podcast in iTunes. Another one is to leave a rating and a review and that actually links to the rating and review page in iTunes just to make it really easy for them. Um, I've got the links to our social media, uh, our website, and a link to our magazine. So they've got all those different options. I know it's a lot of calls to action for one place, but um, you know they've got that that choice of you know what they want to click on. So when somebody is actually listening to a podcast episode, let's say from their iPhone or from their mobile device, you know when they tap on that episode and that description pops up, they're going to have all those links right there at their fingertips, and they can choose which one they want to tap on. So I just figured that out uh, um, about a couple of weeks after I launched. So I went back and added you know all those links uh, to all my episode descriptions and 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 so I'm starting to track those now um, and I used a, a WordPress plugin called Pretty Link yep. uh, to track you know if people are actually clicking on those links and yeah to answer your question I am seeing more people check out the magazine now uh, since we launched the podcast fascinating and, and so okay so and I just learned something from you I love that you know that's why I love doing these interviews just for anybody who's thinking of doing a podcast is I have a real selfish reason for doing this because I get to talk to really <laughs> cool people like Tyler who have just this incredible knowledge. And so not only am I, you know, doing something that's providing value for for my tribe and my people, but I get to talk to awesome people and learn stuff. So, okay, so in your episode descriptions, you are creating links. And so what is the, is there a character limit in the description? I assume there is. Uh, there might be. Um, I'm using, I've got a full paragraph in there and then uh, about five or six calls to action with probably like 10 links, including the social media. Um, so I could I could probably check Libsyn um, to see if there's a limit. I don't remember being in, having a limit imposed on me though. Mm, yeah, no, I, I, I can't think of a limit either, right? And uh, in fact, I was just putting a description in Libsyn this morning. So um yeah, that's fascinating. So I've got a, I've just added that to my to-do list. That's a brilliant, brilliant, <laughs> right? So, uh, and and just for everybody listening, so the process there is when you're 
uploading your podcast to iTunes. If you're using a service like Libsyn, which is what I use, I think it's probably the most popular podcast hosting service out there, makes it easy. When you enter your description, you're then, after that, you put the description of the, the episode, which should be a compelling description that, you know, convinces people to watch it. You can then have calls to action. But what Tyler's doing there is he's not just linking, saying, hey, go check out my magazine in the store and direct linking there. He's creating redirects on his WordPress website. And he's using a plugin called Pretty Link, and you can get Pretty Link Lite for free. If you just search Pretty Link, you add that to your website, brilliant plugin, and you can create 301 redirects that when, it, so you could have, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, your domain.com forward slash, you make up whatever you, URL you want, you put that as your call to action, and that redirects people to the the magazine or to whatever call to action. And now you can see how many people are clicking those. So you can actually measure that. So that's the, that's the tactic. I just really want to break that down because it's, you know, it, it's, it's a great way to be able to track links like that. So, um, yeah. And I will say that, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have calls to action in the description, but also in the episode itself. Yes. Like, so I always wrap up an episode with a call to action, you know, whether that's visit the show notes page, uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And I had, um, like, I hired a, a, a professional voice um, talent, I, I guess, to, uh, to record my intro and my outro that we use for every single episode. So this is not counting that personalized intro that I'll, I'll put in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of an episode, you'll hear that music come in and that voice come on. And he always tells people, you know, uh, check out the website and check out the magazine, um, essentially, is the call to action. So yeah. having that at the end of all your episodes. So like maybe you're a coach and you offer like a free consultation. So if you're doing a podcast, you know, at the end of every episode, you can remind your audience that hey if they want to come and talk to you just just say the link and tell them where where to go to uh to apply for you know a quick session with you you can you can play around with however you want to do it whatever your objective is yeah and and that's that's absolutely crucial definitely have those call to action and uh just you know again i like to, to summarize for the listeners call to action at the end of your episode okay so that's you and then also in your outros you get those pre-recorded and you you know when you're listening to my podcast today you're going to hear my outro and you're going to hear exactly what Tyler was talking about there where there's calls to action there and uh so you want to do that as well totally agree now um let's uh let's shift gears again and let's talk about monetizing a podcast because you know i mean it's all good and well to go out there and uh, create a podcast and create a, a, a following. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's good for the ego when everybody says how great you are, but ultimately it's a business tool, right? So what are the different strategies that you can utilize to actually monetize, to profit from a podcast? How do you help it grow your business or, you know, grow your cash flow? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, and this is a super popular topic because a lot of people who are thinking of starting a podcast, usually their their number one question is, well, uh, how, how am I going to make money or how is it going to help me grow my business? And there are there are benefits aside from the money, like if you're doing an interview-based podcast, like uh, you know, building your network is a great benefit. Maybe uh, from a personal branding standpoint, getting that exposure is a great benefit for you or it helps increase your authority and in your market or whatever your niche is. But to actually convert that audience into uh, money, there's a couple of ways you can do it. Um, One approach is to uh, go the sponsorship route. Now, I haven't personally uh, gone this route, so I I can't speak to to it uh, too much in detail. But essentially, if you've got a big enough audience and you don't have your own products or services to offer to that audience, then you can go out and find somebody who does have a product or service that your audience is, is likely to be interested in you can mention it on your episode and then charge them based on either the number of people who who hear that recommendation um, and you can get that information just by tracking your download numbers or you set up uh, like maybe an affiliate relationship with them and, and they, they pay you based on how many people you actually refer to their business. So that's one route is the sponsorship route. Uh, in the beginning, it's not, it's not viable for most new shows because again, you need to have thousands of people, even tens of thousands of people listening to an episode 
code before it really makes sense to invest the time to arrange a sponsorship agreement with someone. Um, my favorite way is to use a podcast to promote whatever your existing business is. So maybe right now you're, you're a service-based uh, business or you maybe offer coaching or consulting. Maybe you sell digital products. Maybe you've got an app or uh, maybe a done-for-you service or you know whatever product or service it is that you offer. Um, I think that your objective when you launch a podcast should be to provide some free content to your target audience, uh, attract your target audience to you, uh, build some of that trust by helping them, by by educating them, and and you know helping them get the result that they want. But in that process, you know, directing them to whatever you, you, it is that you offer, and usually the first step is getting them to your website or getting them on your email list. So you want to have a strategy and have those systems in place uh, from the beginning to convert a certain percentage of your podcast listeners into your your email subscribers and then once you've got people on your email list then you can guide them through a sales process of some kind where you know maybe you're using webinars maybe you send them to a sales page uh, maybe you offer them a free consultation like however you want to do it I don't it, it, this would depend on your specific business but absolutely I agree with you that podcasting is such a powerful way to get your message out there uh, attract whoever your ideal client is and then once you've built up that audience you know you you set up those systems to convert some of that audience into your clients or customers um, but again you know having your own so seeing a, a podcast as a way to uh, promote your existing business rather than a, a business on its own yeah Does that makes sense it absolutely makes makes perfect sense and and going back to the sponsorship I you know I, I did a little research into the sponsorship um, and you uh, you know, it, it's 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 a bit of a different beast. And uh, what I understand, and I'm I'm no expert on this as well, is basically when you're negotiating sponsorship, they're going to pay you per uh, the standard metric in the industry seems to be per five thousand listeners. So. Um, you know, in the in the in the advertising world, um, banner display stuff like that, we have a term called CPM, right? Cost per mill, and that means you know I'll pay you X amount every thousand impressions my banner every thousand times my banner is displayed. So basically, from what I understand in that sponsorship world, you know they're going to pay you for five thousand listeners. So when you're getting started, building up to those five thousand listeners an episode is difficult, um, obviously. Um, uh, right out of the gate, so you need to get to a significant volume before I think sponsorship and and you know f for me I I'm kind of more in the same boat as you. I don't believe that uh, for me it's you know podcast was never about selling sponsorship. It's all about engaging with uh, existing customers, bringing them back, and reaching out and, and a new channel find new customers. Now, um, I, I got I have another question for you now as your launching episodes. So you did this launch sequence for the podcast itself. But each time you launch a new episode, what do you do to promote that episode, if anything? Yeah, great question. Um, so and, and actually, I will also say that when you launch your podcast, you shouldn't just launch with one episode. Um, you should have a minimum of your, your first episode, which should, which should just be an introduction to your show. So it might only be 10 or, 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 10 or 20 minutes long or even five minutes long, but a quick intro, you know, tell your audience who you are, who the show is for, what they can expect going forward, and also launch with a minimum of three other episodes. Um, you want to do that for a couple of reasons. So it's going to help... Uh, iTunes, um, it's going to help iTunes recognize that you know you're you're serious about your show. You know you're not just you're not showing up with one episode and then nobody knows when the next one's coming. You've already got mm -hmm. some frequency behind you. Mm -hmm. It does help increase your download numbers and it also shows your listeners that you're committed as well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it gives them a few things to listen to while they're waiting for your next episode. So the first thing that I would say is launch with at least that introductory episode and three other episodes for whatever your your normal uh, format is. Um, and then have a strategy.
strategy in place for sharing those episodes. So whenever we have a new podcast episode that goes online, uh, we email our newsletter to let them know. We give them a link uh, to our to listen to the uh, the episode directly from our website if they'd like to. Um, and if they're already subscribed on iTunes, then they've just been given the heads up that they can go and you know open up our podcast in iTunes and and it'll be there as well. Um, we'll also promote on social media. Uh, we've got profiles on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Google+. Plus. Um, now, of those five, we're mostly focused on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and so I'll create an image for each episode, uh, you know, a square image that fits Instagram nicely, and then I'll post that on Instagram. Um, and then the uh, the link to the show notes page will have its image as well, which will be a bit of a wider image because it's essentially a blog post, and that will get shared on the other social networks. Uh, which again, it helps uh, it helps bring some traffic to our site. Uh, it helps people who aren't subscribed on iTunes already find out about us and go through the website first before they get to iTunes. Uh, and it also makes it easy for the episode to be shared. Um, so we'll email our guest and let them know that the episode's uh, been published and we'll give them a link to share it if they if they decide to do that. But our audience itself is able to share it as well if they wanted to because um, all those, you know, social sharing plugins, we've got like a, I think we use a plugin called uh, Access uh, Social Media that's on, on the website there. So somebody can easily share our show notes page across any platform they want. So that helps as well. Interesting. Now, uh, I want to just take a step back to the social. You were saying that you focus primarily on Instagram and Twitter, and I, I you know, I didn't hear Facebook. I, I thought for sure when you said we focus primarily, you were going to say <laughs> Facebook, and it never came out. Why is that? Um, so, uh, well, with Instagram, we're getting like a ton of engagement there. Um, and again, this kind of goes back to when I interviewed that that guy back in 2015. His name's Nathan Chan, and he's got a great magazine called Founder Magazine. And he's built up a massive audience for his magazine, and his primary social channel for doing that was Instagram. And he's killing it on Instagram. I even I took his course on Instagram marketing to to emulate some of his strategy. Um, but we're getting the most uh, engagement there. So like if, if I put like a picture quote on Instagram, for example, and I put that same quote on Twitter and I put that same quote, quote on Facebook, um, I'll get like minimum 10 to 20 times more people liking and commenting on the Instagram post than I do on, on the Twitter or Facebook. Now, our, our, our audience on Facebook isn't very big because I, uh, I haven't really um, done much there yet. I probably will. Um, I'll put together like an ad budget because it seems like the to do well on Facebook, you gotta you gotta really pay to play. Yeah. Um, it's pretty tough to do it organic there. Yeah. Um, but just organic on Instagram and and uh, Twitter, that's where we're getting the most traction. But yeah, Instagram is uh, it's an interesting. It's I'm learning a couple cool things about Instagram. Uh, one thing that we do is uh, we'll post an image, um, uh, you know, a quote or 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 uh, the, a picture of our latest magazine issue or a picture of our latest podcast episode. You know, we'll have a quick description there. And then I'll go in and comment on the image itself. Mm -hmm. um, and in that first comment, I'll paste about like, 20 to 30 hashtags that are all uh, you know specifically chosen to attract our, our, our target audience of like lifestyle, lifestyle entrepreneurs and online business owners and such and doing that that hashtag thing uh, helps us get a ton of organic exposure and every time I do that we end up with new followers so I, I was able to grow the Instagram account um, I think we're up to about six or seven thousand followers uh, in a couple of months wow. you know without spending money on ads um, just from posting you know pictures Picture quotes and the occasional podcast episode every day. That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, and and for everybody listening, that was that was a, a wealth of, of of tips in there and and very very valuable. Um, because I you know I, I, we default to Facebook, right? Um, and so it's it's Instagram is not something that I've ever used to promote promote my podcast. And I know I need to do more on it. So you just you just lit a fire under my butt. Um, so I appreciate that. And, uh, and so I've <laughs> that's, got a, that's a whole other topic in itself. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do another episode. Um, and I'll grill you on that. So the two more, um, questions for you, uh, before we start to wrap up and that is, um, frequency and your schedule for episodes. How often do you recommend people post episodes What's the frequency? Any best days, times, stuff like that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there are, there seems to be about four different types of frequencies that I see most common among podcasts. Um, one is the daily show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who are doing it and who are very successful with it. And in most cases, they'll, uh, they'll batch um, their content creation. So like if they're doing an interview-based podcast, they'll do all their interviews on one day and then have those go out you know, one day at a time throughout the week. Um, that's, it's a lot of content for your audience. In fact, some audiences have a hard time keeping up with a daily show. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a ton of content if you're, you know, if you're able to make that commitment. Um, one step down from that would be two to three times a week. This is definitely doable. Uh, it's not easy. It still takes some, some commitment, but it is definitely doable. And the people who do two to three times a week, they usually change up the type of episode that they do. So they might do uh, one interview per week, one solo episode per week, and maybe a Q&A where they answer a question that their audience submitted. Um, so a mix of, of those different formats um, just to bring a different type of, uh, a different type of episode to their audience uh, on a weekly basis. Um, the most common frequency is is uh, is definitely the weekly frequency we're pretty much weekly um we because we do uh for each monthly uh magazine that we publish i do three interviews um with with entrepreneurs and i turn those into really in-depth um success stories or like you know featured stories so i'll do i have three interviews that i can put on the podcast each month and then i like to hop on and do a solo episode every every uh, every month or two just to share something specific that i learned or, or you know shares Share, uh, share you know something that I think helps the audience. So once in a while we end up with four episodes per month. Sometimes we end up with three episodes per month. So we, we we're pretty much a weekly show. Uh, and then one step below that would be you know if you're doing like one to two maybe three episodes per month. Um, that's definitely easy to maintain, uh, but it's less content for your audience. So you might find it harder to to build some traction for your show if your freq- if your freq- frequency is less than than once a week. Got it. Got it. And uh, so the last question I have for you is regarding the different channels. So, I mean, obviously iTunes is the the behemoth, but we've got Stitcher, we've got SoundCloud, we can embed on websites. Where else do you publish your podcast? So we are on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, um, and that's because we we focused our launch strategy on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all the, you know, the downloads, the ratings and reviews were all uh geared towards iTunes just because they have that new and noteworthy section. Mm-hmm. Um, we published on Stitcher as well because a lot of the people out there who who have an Android device will be subscribing through Stitcher. Uh, and that's it for now. Um, we, we may submit to a couple of others uh, like TuneIn Radio. Um, I'm seeing Google Play is, uh, is putting together a podcast platform as well. Mm. Um, I think that as of right now, if you're in the U.S., um, you can you can submit your show. Uh, I don't think the platform is live yet. They're just kind of collecting those submissions. Mm-hmm. In Canada, we can't even submit it yet. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I definitely focused on iTunes, Stitcher as the secondary platform. And it doesn't hurt. I mean, to get on a bunch of other platforms, we'll probably do that as well. But again, just, you know, a lot of the research shows that um, the majority of podcast listeners are, are coming from iTunes. So I would I'd definitely focus there first and then worry about the other platforms afterwards. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now, what about embedding on your website? That was interesting. Now, you embed your episodes on your website, as do I. Now, what's your strategy with that? And, you know, how. Do you track how many people are listening from your website versus iTunes? And do you ever, and that's a multi-part question, do you ever feel like maybe you're taking away from the momentum you could be driving on iTunes by giving that option on your website? Um, Possibly, but the people who already who are already subscribed to the podcast on iTunes are probably listening um, th- through the podcast app or the iTunes you know app on their phone already. So I created those show notes mostly for people who aren't subscribed on iTunes yet. Maybe they came to our website um, to check out a magazine issue. Maybe they read a blog post um, and they see the podcast tab there. And I wanted to be able to give them show notes pages. Um, where they have the option to listen from the website if they like to. Um, now, I, the only uh, because I'm, I'm hosted with Lipson, like the only numbers I get are my total download numbers. So I can see um, Lipson gives me the stats of you know what uh, what technology or what sources those download numbers came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the majority is definitely iTunes. 
Um, but I created the the show notes page as more of a resource um, for the audience because it's got like that recap of the episode. It's got links to to any resources that were mentioned, like books or software or things like that. And it's got those call to actions at the bottom where if they do want to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, I've got the links to iTunes or Stitcher at the bottom of that of that post um, and a link to our review page as well if they want to give us some feedback. Um, so again, it, I don't think that you know a huge percentage of our audience is actually streaming the episodes from the website itself. But it's just kind of an additional resource for for the existing audience. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, last question, and that is, how, how can our listeners learn more from you? What you're doing? I know you're you're you've launched a a podcasting training program as well, based on exactly what you've done, what we've been talking about. Where do people go to find out more? Perfect. Um, so we did create a, a free resource that somebody can grab if they like, and that's called the Podcast Launch Checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the 12 steps uh, that we went through as my team and I uh, created and then, and then launched uh, the Lifestyle Business Podcast. So all, you know, all 12 steps are outlined in that checklist. You can grab that by going to podcastlaunchblueprint.com. Um, and I did I did create an online course as well called Podcast Launch Blueprint. You'll get some information on that after if you um, after you grab the checklist. But basically, when I when we launched our podcast, I knew that there would be a bunch of people uh, who would want to know how to launch a podcast because uh, a lot of our audience are, are thinking of launching a podcast, right? Just because of the nature of you know online business and, and the lifestyle entrepreneurship audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recorded. Uh, my entire launch process, like every th- every step that I took mm-hmm. to launch the podcast, I was recording my screen. So I had all these video tutorials, and then I went back and created some PowerPoint slides to introduce the concept, introduce the strategy, and then actually show you the work that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that formed the content uh, for the course itself. So you won't actually just get you know the step by step. Here's what to do. You'll get uh, a video that says. Here's how we did it, um, and it did end up working. You know, as you mentioned in the beginning, we ended up number one in in multiple categories on New and Noteworthy. We got more exposure for our magazine. I started getting you know high quality guests for the show from day one. You know, applications from people who want to be on the show who, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to to send an email to successfully without that without that launch without the uh, you know that buzz that we created I guess by showing up in New and Noteworthy. Um, but yeah, anyone who who's interested in launching a podcast, just go pod. Podcast Launch Blueprint, you'll get a free checklist there, and that, that'll outline the steps involved. That is awesome. And uh, Tyler, thank you so much for unconditionally sharing so much of your, your knowledge and experience going through this process uh, and giving our listeners so many valuable podcasting tips. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, no problem, Derek. This was a ton of fun, and uh, you know this is one of my favorite topics. So thanks so much for uh, for giving me that chance to chat about it. Oh, thank you. Now, everyone, that was uh, podcasting expert Tyler Basu. And as always, any links mentioned in this interview will be included in the show notes, uh, along with uh, the entire transcript of this episode. And uh, you'll find them all at uh, entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. So if you missed any links, anything like that, they will all be there. And, and don't forget, if you haven't done so already, you can have every future episode of this podcast automatically delivered to your smartphone or device for Apple-made devices. Just head over to iTunes, search my name, Derek Gale, or Entrepreneur Ignited, or Online Business, or whatever. You'll find us. And uh, and click subscribe. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or Stitcher. And uh, if you like what you heard today, as we talked about in this episode, you got to ask people, and I'm asking... Please leave a rating or review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Your feedback, your reviews, guys, that's a fuel. It gives me that momentum, that motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for digital entrepreneurs wanting to grow your businesses. And uh, guys, again, it's uh, it's that time to take the tips and tools, the strategies, the podcasting stuff that you learned today and apply that final essential ingredient to making that work. And that ingredient is focused action. Take action. Take what you've learned. Write down the steps you're going to take and execute. And that's how you get results. So go forth, take action, apply what you've learned, and stay tuned for more info-packed podcast episodes and of the Entrepreneur Guided Podcast, a podcast designed to simplify online business so you can make more money.
This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.